Hi, this is Ed Fitzpatrick. If you enjoy local politics as much as I do, be sure to join our friends at Rhode Island PBS for the show A Lively Experiment. Hosted by Jim Hummel, the weekly series features journalists, pundits, and politicians debating the stories and issues that matter most to us Rhode Islanders. Tune in to A Lively Experiment and be part of the conversation. Fridays at 7 p.m. on Rhode Island PBS and wherever you get your podcasts. From the Boston Globe, this is Rhode Island Report. I'm Ed Fitzpatrick. Welcome back to the podcast where we bring you big conversations from our very small state. Behind Rhode Island's aging housing stock is a health hazard, lead paint. Most of the state's houses were built before it was banned in 1978. That means chipping paint can expose residents, especially young children, to lead poisoning. The rates of this poisoning went up while children were stuck at home during the pandemic. Central Falls now has one of the two highest rates of lead poisoning in the state. Central Falls Mayor Maria Rivera and Rhode Island PBS Weekly reporter Michelle San Miguel join us to talk about the city's efforts to combat this problem. Our conversation after a quick break. When you want to go beyond the headlines, let me recommend Rhode Island PBS Weekly. Rhode Island PBS Weekly is an award-winning news magazine broadcast that gives you the full story, powered by investigative journalism and narrative storytelling. New episodes of Rhode Island PBS Weekly drop Sundays at 7.30 p.m. on Rhode Island PBS. Watch past episodes at ripbs.org slash weekly. That's ripbs.org slash weekly. Welcome back. I'm here with Central Falls Mayor Maria Rivera and Rhode Island PBS Weekly reporter Michelle San Miguel. Thank you both for joining us. Thank Thank you for having us. Michelle, you have a new Rhode Island PBS Weekly episode called Poisoned at Home about a Central Falls family affected by lead poisoning. Tell us about the family of Guadalupe Martinez. Guadalupe Martinez came to Rhode Island from Mexico more than a decade ago. She has four children, her oldest daughter Jessica was born in Mexico and her three younger children were born in Rhode Island. Her second oldest child, Edwin Anaya, when he was three years old, the pediatrician was concerned that this boy Edwin was acting out, had behavioral issues, and she suspected just given the old housing stock that you can find all over Central Falls and frankly all over Rhode Island that he might have high levels of lead in his blood. And sure enough, the test did confirm that. The family then had the house inspected. They realized there was chipped paint around the windowsill and that it was very likely that this boy was eating that chipped paint around the windowsill. Not to mention there's just lead dust in the air that falls on objects. And we all know that kids put their hands in their mouths. And, you know, that's very likely how he was poisoned. So the family makes the modifications to the home. They think their house is fine. Fast forward years later, now the two younger children, who are now five and seven, a blood test shows that they have high levels of lead in their blood. And so you can imagine for this mother, Guadalupe, she was frustrated because she thought, I made the modifications to my home. I thought it was lead safe. Turns out there was lead around the entrance of the home, 
more lead outside in the soil that the family thought had been remediated. And so it was a reminder, and, and really she had no idea that you have to make sure that your home is lead safe on a regular basis. It's not a one and done thing. Right, right. And I remember writing about this family back in 2021. And tell us about the impact that the lead poisoning had on the oldest son, Edwin. Yeah. So Edwin, who's now 14, has ADHD. He struggles to focus. And the oldest daughter was telling me that something as simple as, Edwin, go do the dishes. So he'll walk to the kitchen and instantly forget what it was that someone told him to do. So you can imagine how that translates when it comes to his schoolwork and just being able to focus. It was heartbreaking talking to the mom because he's 14 years old, he's still very young, and she worries about what kind of a future her son will be able to have. Mm, Yeah. Mayor, when I wrote the story, the incident rate of lead poisoning was higher in Central Falls than any other city or town in Rhode Island. Do you know a lot of other families like the Martinez family? First of all, thank you so much for having me. Second, this is heartbreaking just listening to this, right? As the mayor of the city, I have two kids, 19 and 21. Thankfully, my kids have never been impacted by lead. But as the mayor of the city, all of the children in the city are my kids. And we know that this is something that's not curable and how our children, you know, for the rest of their life are being impacted by this. But I can think of one particular family that reached out to me through Facebook. Um, They sent me a message desperate because they needed to move because they had twins and both of their twins um, had lead, had high rate, high rate of leads, of lead. That was the first time I had a family reach out to me with a problem like this. And it was very concerning because I'm thinking about the future of these young babies, like what's gonna happen to them? And all of the support that they need and mom and dad, the support that they needed too. And they're, you know, going back and forth with the landlord because the landlord didn't want to give them the deposit. And we're facing a housing crisis right now, right? So you have someone in a situation like this desperate for an apartment. You don't have apartments. So what do you do? Yeah. What percentage of the houses in Central Falls were built before 1978 when lead was banned in pain. It's got to be high. It, it has to be. It's over 70% yeah, of our yeah, properties, yeah. you know, were built before 1978. And this is, you know, I knew that we had an old housing stock and that there were a lot of old houses in the city. But it wasn't until I started knocking on doors during my campaign that I really understood what the problem was when I'm starting to listen to the constituents tell me. You know, there's issues in my house. The landlord doesn't want to fix the property. We have two and three families living in an apartment. We can't find an apartment. The rent increases are crazy. So I knew that housing, safe, affordable housing, had to be at the forefront of what I wanted to do for the community. Yeah, tell us a bit about what the city is doing to try to prevent other families from being poisoned by lead in Central Falls. Sure. So let's go back a little bit to when I came into office. We had a housing summit like 90 days after I came into office. And the reason why I had the housing summit was because I had listened to many constituents about what the issues were, but I wanted to get a better idea from different aspects. Someone from domestic violence, someone speak about lead, someone speak about the homelessness issue. We had the housing authority, we had landlords, we had tenants, and speak about all of the issues that were happening. It didn't really hit me how big the lead problem was until I listened to Dr. Nelkin tell me the lead rate in Central Falls has doubled. You're talking about uh, Dr. Beata Nelkin? Dr. Beata Nelkin. She has a pediatrics practice right across from City Hall, right? Yes. So she's the, it's Jenks Pediatrics. Right. She's the only pediatrician in the city symbol, with the ladybugs, yes. And she was only in office like a month before the pandemic, but she has really taken it upon herself 
to work with the residents of the city of Central Falls, not only children, even adults to this pandemic. Mm. But when she starts talking to me about the lead issues and how this is impacting our children and how many children are probably positive and are not being tested because they didn't have insurance at the time, mm. because the children in the state of Rhode Island who were undocumented could not qualify for medical, that was concerning. And I knew I had to do something. So we ended up applying for a $250,000 grant with Rhode Island Housing. Thank you, Rhode Island Housing, for being so supportive, which allowed me to hire a full-time housing inspector. And it also allowed me to hire a lead poisoning prosecutor. And what we've done is we cr we've created a plan. I am not the type of person who likes to penalize people without educating them first. Mm -hmm. So the first thing we do is we send out a notice of violation, which we have worked with the attorney general's office to draft this letter. We send out this notice. And what this notice says is we don't have a lead certificate for your house, right? You right, don't live right. on the property because if you live on the property, you're exempt as the homeowner. But if you're not the home, if you are the homeowner and you don't live on the property, you're not exempt. You need to have a lead certificate. What programs or resources would be available to help that person make their units lead safe? So what we do is we bring them in. We have a conversation with them about what's happening with their property. Like, what it, what is it? Is it the doors? Is it the windowsills? What needs to be rectified? So we give them the resources that they need, the program that Rhode Island Housing has, and let them know this is who you have to work with to make sure that your home is um, lead safe. As long as they go through the proper steps, like they don't have to spend any money. The resources are out there mm. for the, for us they to be able to, to they just need to apply, which is why I say this is about education because mm. many times they don't know, you know, not every landlord has a lot of money. Yeah, They don't know what, what the process is or what the steps are for them to get this problem fixed. So it's been really helpful for us to be at the forefront to having these conversations with the landlords and talking to them about this is what you have to do, they're appreciative. We've been able to work with 430 units to make them, let's say, what we're looking to do this year is double that amount. Hmm. And tell me about the work that Judge Robert McConnell does. He's in, in the segment. Uh, he's in the Central Falls Municipal Housing Court. What role does he play? So he plays the role of being the bad cop. <laughs> <laughs> You're the good cop. Yeah, I'm the good cop. You know, thankfully, we haven't had to take that many landlords mm -hmm. to this step because as long as you educate them and give them the resources, they're willing to accept the support. But he unfortunately has to play the, the bad cop once we contact them and they're not responding to us. He's the one that has to let them know you're not complying. There's a fine. You have to comply. And then after that, the nuisance property task force can start the process for receivership. Like they could lose their property they can take because the property of this. Yes. And, and they levy fines. Too. Yes. Michelle, lead poisoning rates have been going down for years in Rhode Island, but then the pandemic hit. And in 2020, the number of children poisoned by lead for the first time rose by 22%. Why did the numbers shoot back up? It had a lot to do with the fact that children were stuck at home, right? And we were stuck at home because we were being told stay home, of course, for safety reasons. And so a lot of people. That's had, ironic, right? Stay Right. Safety. safety. And that's one of the things that struck me with this is that home should be right where you feel safest. And it's not hyperbole to say that children were being poisoned at home. And so, frankly, that's why we saw the rates after decades that the rates had been going down, had been going down, Ed, but we're still talking about hundreds of children, even pre-pandemic, mm. that were being poisoned for the first time every year. So I don't want to minimize this because that's still hundreds of children that or suffering needlessly. Like this is all preventable. And that's, I think, one of the things that we need to stress is that it does not cost 
tens of thousands of dollars to get a home to be led safe. And to the mayor's point, there are resources available to help these tenants get to that point. Yeah, Mayor, when I did the story, there were 32 incidents of lead poisoning in in Little Central Falls, but zero incidents in East Greenwich, zero incidents in Little Compton and other places. What does that tell you? There's a lot that can be said about that. You know, Central Falls needs more resources. We have a community. It's a low-income community. We have the undocumented children that didn't have insurance. That was a huge part of this, right? It's a community that's disproportionately impacted by many different things. Mm-hmm. There are people who are not paying attention to what's happening in Central Falls. These places that you're talking about, these other cities, I'm sure they don't have the amount of old homes that the city of Central Falls has, which is why we need to continue focusing on bringing these homes up to up to code. Yeah, do you see it as a matter of environmental justice? It, yes. Um, do you think more would have been done if, if some of the richest communities in the state were facing this level of lead poisoning? Absolutely. Michelle, the segment features Dr. Nelkin, who's doing amazing work there at that pediatric practice across from City Hall. What did she tell you about the impact of lead poisoning in the city? One of the things that surprised me was that she's not hearing about the impact directly from parents. So she's hearing about it because children are coming in and they're having either behavioral issues, they're struggling with constipation, and in many of these cases, she's then testing the children and finding it out that way. And these are effects, Ed, that in many cases children will deal with for the rest of their lives. Because it especially affects kids, right? Absolutely. Yeah. The, it's most harmful to children who are under six years old because their bodies are still developing. And in many cases, these are issues that kids will deal with for the rest of their lives. We're talking about a lower IQ, children who are exposed to lead are more likely to drop out of school. And so it's in the best interest of everyone, whether you live in Central Falls or not, to help these children out. This issue disproportionately affects people of color and people in low-income neighborhoods, right? And so it's absolutely an environmental justice issue. Your segment raises the question whether these children are being used as a canary in the coal mine. Like Dr. Nelkin said, why do we wait for a kid to get sick to change our housing? That's exactly right. I mean, you look at the city of Central Falls, the Department of Health gave the city close to a thousand properties that need to be checked to see if they have their lead certificates, right? So we're talking about close to a thousand properties in Central Falls where we literally don't know at this very moment if children are being poisoned. But each property could have three or four rental units, right? So we're talking about thousands of units within a 1.3 square mile city we don't know if at this very moment kids are getting sick. Michelle, we're talking about lead paint, but isn't another source of lead poisoning lead water pipes? It absolutely is. But one of the things I thought was interesting is even though we know that lead service lines are being replaced in Rhode Island, especially in Providence, the main way that children in this state are still getting poisoned by lead is through lead-based paint. Mm. That's a whole separate issue that's really important, but it's still lead-based paint that's the main source of lead exposure in the state. I just wrote about how Senate President Dominic Ruggiero's proposed legislation that would would require replacement of all lead water pipes in Rhode Island. The Senate passed that bill last year. It went nowhere in the House. Mayor, do you expect it to pass this year? What's your message to the Assembly? Yeah, I hope so. I, you know, I think it has to be also about education, right? So we have to go lobby for this. Yep. We have to speak to the representatives. Representative O'Brien is the one who's introducing it again. And then, as you said, uh, Senate President will be working on it. 
on the Senate side, we have to talk to them about why this is important and how this is impacting our children. I can't think of an adult in a room that you're going to have a conversation with and talk to them about how this is impacting our children and for them not to support something like this. You know, how do we work with the Senate and the House to be able to pass this legislation so that the homeowners can get the pipes changed from their house to the road? And have it paid for, right? And have it paid for. Because I know there's been lead pipe replacement programs in the past, but it, it seems like you've it's asked homeowners to take out a loan or but they'll replace it in the street, but not necessarily the lateral going to your house. And isn't that a big factor in a place like Central Falls? Absolutely. This is a big factor. So can you imagine a mom, a mom of twins, giving her baby formula and using tap water that's lead contaminated? Yeah. And I, I remember writing about how half the loans offered by the Providence Water Supply for lead pipe replacement in Providence went to 02906, a wealthy zip code on the east side. What does that tell you? I don't even know if I want to comment on that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, what needs to happen? Like, you know, just like Michelle was saying, low-income communities of color that are disproportionately impacted by the issue of lead, these are the communities that you have to be looking at and supporting and helping. It's our children who are being impacted by this. And what needs to happen with the program in the future? What needs to happen in the program in the future? First, we need to have legislation passed, legislation so that landlords are able to apply for a grant so that they're able to get their pipes changed. Mayor, on another public health topic, I just wrote about how coronavirus concentrations in Rhode Island's wastewater are surging to the highest levels yet seen at six of the eight treatment plants. Dr. Pablo Rodriguez said the truth is in the feces. I know Central Falls has been a hotspot for COVID in the past. What are you seeing now? Uh, Sadly, our numbers are going back. Central Falls, again, has the highest rate of positive cases, which is concerning. So Mm. I think we have to start educating the community again, talking to them about start asking in public places, putting it in our newsletter, putting it in social media, making sure people are testing. You're thinking about recommending masks again or or requiring them? No, we're going to start with recommending and see how that goes, see how our numbers go. Michelle, how can people watch Poison at Home? Rhode Island PBS Weekly airs every Sunday and Wednesday night at 7.30, and you can also catch us online at ripbs.org slash weekly. Mayor Rivera and Michelle, thank you both for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you for having us. For my reporting on lead poisoning in Rhode Island, go to globe.com slash Rhode Island. That's globe.com slash Rhode Island. Here are some more stories from our team. In case you missed it, I had a conversation with Ashley Kalis, the Republican who lost the governor's race. She says she's staying in Rhode Island. In the Ocean State Innovators Q&A, Alexa Gagas talks to the founders of Plates with Purpose, a nonprofit looking to close the food insecurity gap while helping independent restaurants in Rhode Island. For these stories and more, go to globe.com slash Rhode Island. That's globe.com slash Rhode Island. Rhode Island Report is a production of the Boston Globe in collaboration with Rhode Island PBS. Today's episode was produced by Megan Hall, Carlos Munoz, and Scott Hellman. Audio mixing and mastering by Marissa Ewing of Hemlock Creek Productions. Our music is from APM. And if you like the podcast, do us a favor. Follow the show and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. I'm Ed Fitzpatrick. See you next week.
Looking to binge watch all your favorite PBS shows? You need Rhode Island PBS Passport, Masterpiece, Antiques Roadshow, Rhode Island PBS Weekly, and many more. Watch them all, anytime, and from any streaming device. Learn more about this member benefit at ripbs.org slash passport. That's ripbs.org slash passport.